Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. My name's Ollie Richards. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're new here, welcome. This podcast is all about language learning. I speak eight languages and I use this eclectic experience of language and travel to help you with your language learning. People send in questions, which I answer. And occasionally, in fact, recently, fairly frequently, I have really inspirational guests on the podcast who have done cool things with language and travel and, and life in general. And one such guest is coming through over the airwaves today for you. And it is Casey Tenyon. Now, Casey you're going to love this episode. Casey's a blogger and a world traveler from New York. And her adventures abroad began a little bit like mine did. And so she bought a one-way ticket to a tiny village in Spain back in 2014. And she went on to learn to speak fluent Spanish in less than a year. It's really, uh, really great what she has achieved. And she's also a very kind of very independent, driven, entrepreneurial person. And you're going to hear in this interview how what happened in Spain, how she ended up there in this tiny village where nobody spoke English, why she started her blog, what was it that made her start her blog, some of the amazing opportunities that that got her, such as um, being a writer for the national newspaper in Spain, and then how she went on to visit 27 other countries. It's, uh, it's, it's really great. We also talk about what it's like moving to other countries, being, uh, being in a kind of um, working, working, working environment there in another country, and also some tips for how she went about learning Spanish. There's so much here. She's a super fun person. I really enjoyed talking to her. So without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Casey Tenen from a awanderingcaseydia.com. Casey, thanks so much for joining me and um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Ali. I'm so excited to be here. That was a great intro. You really nailed it all. So did I? Okay. I always, I always wonder like, with intros whether I actually fit, you know, because it's one thing kind of cramming in facts, but it's a different, it's a different thing actually representing the person. Yeah. And whenever people read, read out intros about me, I'm always like, oh, yeah, actually, there's so much more you could have said. Yeah. How do you uh, sum up someone's life experience in 30 seconds? Right. Exactly. I think you did a great job. Cool. Um, well, I can't take credit for that. Actually, it's uh, it's, it's John <laughs> on my team who, who, who actually did the wordsmithing um, for, for that. So, but anyway, I'll tell you, what, I'll take credit because it's my podcast and uh, I'm glad <laughs> to hear I, I, I got it right. So you've got a very interesting background and um, you blog about it as well, which is what caught my attention because, you know, so th there are so many, you know, there are so many fascinating people in this world. Um, who you never get to hear about because they never tell anybody. It sounds kind of silly, but I think that people who are writing blogs and making podcasts are doing a wonderful service to the world because they just show people who wouldn't otherwise know just what you can do with your life. So tell us about this Spain thing. What happens yeah. to make you just disappear off to Spain? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so it all started, well, first, I just want to say that I do believe that some people are just born with this wanderlust and I'm definitely one of those people. Um, I remember I was in third grade, so I was like eight years old and I left the country for the first time and I went to Jamaica and I remember 
like I did not see Jamaica through what you would think an eight-year-old saw it through. I just remember like getting in the van, going from the, the airport to the hotel. And my little kid eyes were just so fascinated at the women walking on the, on, on the side of the streets, holding, you know, fruits and vegetables. And I was so fascinated at how people were living beyond just, you know, we got to the resort and that was like the most boring part for me as an eight-year-old. I wanted to be out there and talking to people and learning from people. Um, and I think that's when my mom was like, oh boy, she's going to be, <laughs> mm -hmm. she's going to be a world traveler. Um, so fast forward to college, I studied broadcast journalism and, um, um, I am a Spanish minor dropout. I, um, I love the Spanish language. I've always been fascinated by Spanish culture, but I, I hated studying it in a traditional sense in class, but I was focused on learning how to speak fluent Spanish. I was like, I'm going to learn it by moving somewhere that speaks Spanish and really like integrating myself. Okay, so I have this broadcast journalism degree, this love for the Spanish language. Um, I did tons of internships in New York City throughout college. And I was just like, this is not what I want to be doing. I do not want to lock myself away in an office for the rest of my life. Um, so I found a program in Spain um, called the Auxiliares, um, Spanish Auxiliares program. Um, it's a language assistant program where they send um, native English speakers to Spain um, to teach part time in a school. And I was like, well, this sounds like this could be my ticket. So I applied and right after graduating college with this broadcast journalism degree, um, I moved to Spain. The funny thing is, um, I'm, I'm from New York originally and I'm like a city girl through and through and I applied to be in Sevilla I thought like okay Sevilla Madrid Barcelona great thought that all of those would be great experiences and um as a first year in this program you don't really get to choose uh where you go so I ended up getting my assignment and it was Regional de la Sierra this, I look it up on Google, I'm like, okay, maybe it's this like beautiful coastal small town. It is this 5,000 person rural village in Extremadura, which is a small province in um, Southwestern Spain on the border of Portugal. I look it up and it's just like pictures of sheep and pigs and, uh, nothing really and I'm like what the heck am I gonna do in this village I, at the time I spoke very broken high school Spanish I knew how to say hola me gusta bailar <laughs> and that was like about it um and I really thought about do I want to go and um I decided obviously in the end to go and it was truly the best decision that I I, it sounds cheesy to say I've made in my life, but I do believe that because it opened up so many doors for me and I am where I am today because of that decision. Well, one of the, it's, it, it sounds cheesy, but it's funnily enough in recent episodes of the podcast, one of the things that I've kind of found myself putting up and highlighting over and over again is that for so many people that have a lot of success with a language, especially at a young age, you can often trace it right back to one moment where everything just clicked. 
Um, and regular listeners will be saying, oh, no, not, not that little thing again. But, but it's, it's completely true. And we, we often need something to, to just snap us out of normality, right? And it's interesting that you mentioned the fact that you went to Jamaica and you must have gone to this wonderful resort. But the thing that you noticed is the women walking down the street in these colorful dresses and things. I wonder if you are someone who, who actually is attracted to, some, to, to different things and to not being the same as everybody else. It is so true. Um, I like find comfort in what other people would find discomfort in. Like that's one thing that I've learned about myself and my travels. Like I love being the only person that looks like me in a room. Um, I find that fascinating and I'm seeing into a world that I would never otherwise see if I stayed at home. Um, and it's funny, people say to me, uh, how do you, sorry, there's some, some, cars I think in the background no problem, no problem. um but people say to me uh like aren't you aren't you scared to do that and I'm like I would be scared to not do it like the scariest thing to me is is never leaving my you know my little town in the U.S. my little town being like the New York metro area um but um yeah I thrive on that for sure I wonder what makes it because I'm exactly the same and uh, you know, one of the things that caught caught my attention in, in your in your bio is this uh, this this your adventure beginning with a one way ticket to Spain. And I want to ask you why it was a one way ticket and not a return ticket. But we'll get to that because that's exactly how my journey started as well. So I I began I first um, got my I first became interested in languages when I was about nineteen, and uh, I was living in London and I met people from all around the world. So I just had my eyes opened to these, to these different cultures. Um, but then my girlfriend at the time broke up with me, which sent me into this tailspin and I ended up basically running away and I got a one-way ticket on the Eurostar to Paris and ended up spending six months there. It was only six months. So probably not as long as, as you, but again, it's like this kind of escapism is like, and I've noticed this, I've, I've been uh, looking at some uh, on my YouTube channel recently, some people that have done really well with languages. And in so many cases, there is this kind of uh, escapism going on. And as I think this is something that people, a lot of people remember from when they were teenagers, you know, we were not, it's not, not everybody. A lot, I remember seeing a lot of my friends or other people at, at the time being just seemingly very comfortable in their kind of teenage life. I, I just wanted to, I hated everything. I just wanted to be, to, to, to escape and be different. And languages for me were a way to actually become somebody else in a way and step into a different personality. Um, so it seems like you had a, a similar outlook. Yeah, for sure. Um, that first year in Spain, I, I thought a lot about my life back in the States and my life in this little village where I, truly really fully immerse myself i mean like i wasn't speaking english ever that year um all of my friends spoke spanish and only spanish none of them spoke english um i did have one um friend that was not from spain and she spoke english and i would like once a week see her and just like oh speak english and it felt so good <laughs> but other than that i mean i i they say I, I taught English, but really like the teachers didn't speak much. The English teachers didn't speak much English. So I was um, really speaking Spanish 24 seven and thinking yeah. about 
this bubble that I was like, it's like an alternate reality. Like I live this one life speaking hundred percent Spanish in this small village. And then I think back to my life in New York where I'm speaking English and I'm in this hustle and bustle. Um, and it's a more, I don't know, materialistic kind of lifestyle that I was living. Whereas for Hanal, it was just simple. And it's just crazy that I could like live these kind of split lives. Perfect and, parallel and this, universe. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It is, it is interesting though, that, you, that, that, that literally nobody would speak English because there are so many examples of people who go abroad. I'm thinking of the jet program in particular in Japan, which is also quite common for people applying to it and wanting to go to Tokyo and then being ending up in some rural backwater village uh, in, 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 um, in the countryside in Japan. Uh, but even in Japan, it's quite common for a fair number of people around to speak kind of broken English and also to kind of not believe that you as a foreigner could speak any Japanese. And people can actually kind of live there for years and years without really having to learn Japanese because everyone speaks like just about enough English for you to communicate. And often the teachers, in that case, the ALT, assistant language teachers, usually do speak uh, in a passable, passable English. And so you kind of, you're, you're kind of there almost in immersion, but not quite. And it's just enough like ambient English around the place to, to prevent you from stepping in 100% to, that, to that, um, that second language world. But it sounds like it was really a, like, so literally nobody spoke English around? Yeah. I Rather mean, an indictment of Spain, isn't it? <laughs> it? Well, I mean, it was really this like rural, rural village. And yeah. I am so thankful that my first year in Spain was in this village because after I lived in Madrid, which obviously, you know, everybody speaks some level of English. Um, but living in this village, it really, I mean, I had friends that secretly spoke maybe a little bit of English, but they didn't feel comfortable to speak yeah. English with me. And, and in most cases, my Spanish was stronger than, than the other person's English. Um, and also that's essentially like what I was there for. Like I was determined to learn Spanish and I am so thankful that I was placed in this little village um, where I was really forced to just speak Spanish mm. all the well, time. Well, it is those it is those two elements, isn't it? It's the fact that you've got that immersion environment there, it's the opportunity, but then the fact that you're determined as well. And if, if any one of those things doesn't, I mean, determination obviously by itself can can help, but it's that combination together, the environment and the determination, which is really you know sets you on sets you on the, totally. on the path. So you and were, another. Go oh. ahead. Sorry, no, just another thing that I really want to point out and why I attribute my ability to learn Spanish so quickly that year is I feel like um, I saw my friends in other parts of Spain um, really like kind of glom on to other Americans or other native English speakers and that became their like kind of bubble. Mm. And I one didn't want to do that but two thankfully didn't really have that option um so i think it's so 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 important when you are determined to really i mean it's easier said than done but to really find um friends that speak speak the language that you're trying to learn. yeah it, it is easier said than done especially if you've got if the people around you kind of insist on speaking english which can happen in so many parts around around the world and often like you know just getting people to stop speaking english is one of the biggest battles 
uh, of all, but something that we've covered at, at great length over the, the previous 370 whatever episodes of the podcast. Um, so let's just let's wind the clock forward a little bit then. So you, you so you arrive in Spain. You are teaching as an as a uh, in a local secondary school or something, local high school. Yep, yep. A, a local um, primary school. So you're teaching so, in a local a primary kids. school. So you're teaching yep. kids, which must be so much fun, and they're probably teaching you tons of Spanish <laughs> as well. And oh, yeah. <laughs> and so you stay in this in this small place for a year or one year. one school year. Yeah, one school year. So eight months. Right. Yeah. And then yep. you so you really break the back of Spanish at this point. What what happens after that? Yeah, so I go home to New York for the summer, um, which was a wild experience talking about those parallel universes, like hopping on a plane and within what, like seven hours, I was in this other world that I was so familiar with that just continued to go on while I was living my life in this village. Um, so I spend a, a couple months at home in New York and then I moved to Madrid um, and then I spend year in madrid um so you finished university at this point right that's all done and dusted oh yes yes yeah. yes 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 yep yep so what was the thought process behind going back to spain because i imagine that so at this point you're what 2022 ish oh good question i believe i was probably 20 23 or 4 23 23 or 4 i graduated at 22 spent the year 23 then yeah okay yep so at this point, I mean, I remember, I remember at that age, I was in two minds because like part of me was thinking, man, I just want to go and live on a beach in Brazil. And I actually did. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm glad I did actually, because I can't do that now. So I'm pleased I did. But part, I'm kind of torn between, man, I just want to go back to South America on the one hand. And then on the other hand, I better actually start getting my act together and maybe getting a job oh. or something. So what, yeah. what was going through your head when you decided to go back to Spain? Um, well, that's a really great point. And it sounds like we've really had parallel experiences and kind of like struggles balancing this, like this footloose, fancy free lifestyle abroad um, with responsibilities because, you know, always working abroad, but, um, and, I've always been career driven. So wanting to go back home and right. really dedicate myself to fully to my career. Um, the, the main decision was like, this is too good. I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't pass this up quite like, I can't stop doing this quite yet. Um, I ended up spending two more years actually in Spain. So a year in Madrid and a year in Granada, um, which is in nice. the South of Spain. It's beautiful. Um, and the decision there was, yeah, I mean, Spain is a freaking amazing country. I'm in love with it. Still a piece of my heart is there. And if I had the opportunity uh, career-wise, I would move back there in a heartbeat, literally the drop of a hat, I'm, I'm on the plane. Um, yeah, the decision was like, I can continue to, to get better at my Spanish. Um, I can have a new experience and Madrid seems like a place where there could be career opportunities and many more doors available to me than than possibly living in in this village so it seems like it kind of a compromise were you thinking at that time you know i could have a career actually and live my life in spain in spanish or was it yes was it, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um well at the time so i was writing my blog and my blog really got popular at the end of the year in that village 
um, I wrote about my experience, which I believe you read that article um, yeah. talking about my, like I'm from New York and I lived this, you know, year in this small village and for people like, listening, crazy the title, culture. The title, for people listening, yeah. the title of this article, <laughs> I, I lived in a Spanish village for eight months and it changed me forever, which is a fantastic title from, from, a, from a content creator's perspective. It's a, it's a brilliant title. And this, this article actually went viral in Spain, right? Yeah, that's, that's correct. And that's what put me on the map. Um, so forever thankful for that one article. And what, what, what happened? Did anything con concrete come from that? Yeah, actually. So I started writing for um, the Spain Tourism Board uh, via a digital marketing agency in New York, which I actually still um, work with um, kind of as a, as a side hustle. Um, but yeah, I started writing for the Spain Tourism Board and this digital marketing agency also had other clients that were like Spain culture focused. Um, and I started writing uh, for El País actually, which is the Spanish uh, national newspaper. And um, what yeah. Writing, so it, what were you writing for El País? Yeah, great question. So they first, in Spanish or in English because they have they have an English language version. As no, well, right? I offered to write in Spanish, and they're yeah. like, no, no, no. No, we have enough Spanish Spanish speakers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but first, they translated that that initial article um, that they they find me they found me through, and then um, I wrote uh, mostly culture pieces that contrasted Spanish culture with American culture. Mm. Um, I wrote a piece on like. Uh, Madrid versus New York, which is really the city that never sleeps. And um, just mostly like, yeah, culture contrast pieces. I wrote one political piece, which they asked me to do. And I was like, I don't know if you want me to do this, but I did that, which was interesting. Um, and a couple of, a couple others, um, which was really fun. So you are back in, in Madrid and then in Granada. And what are you doing there? Yeah, so I'm still teaching part-time through this program. I'm writing, um, and that's what I'm doing work-wise. Non-work-wise, non I'm traveling as much as I can um, and eating as much tapas as I can yeah. and um, just really, like, living life. Like, really. This, um, the program that you went there, is that, is that something that's still available? Is this something that other people can look into? Yes, absolutely. Um, I... 100%, 1000% recommend uh, doing this program if you can. Um, it's open to all native English speakers. I believe there's an age limit um, that they've recently moved up. Um, and I don't know what that is. So sorry, that's useless information. What's the name right of the there. program? <laughs> yeah, um, if you search um, auxili um, auxiliares, let me actually get the formal name of the program. Um, Auxiliares de Conversación, so um, language assistant program. It's through the Spanish government, um, the Spanish Ministry of Education, um, and uh, you apply. The application period is, I believe, in the. I have to verify this information. I don't want to give anyone wrong. Yeah, and this this might change as well, yeah. isn't it? But that's something that people can search yep. for, and we'll make sure yep, we yep, put yep. that in the show notes as well, if, if, for people to look at it. But yeah, sometimes you know, it just. You know, if even one person looked at this and then ended up applying for it as a result of this uh, this conversation, absolutely, because it's life changing and stuff, isn't it? It really is, and my I'm really passionate about encouraging people to do that thing that they've always thought about doing, but thought it was too crazy, specifically with travel, and um, 
like this program is so great because it gives you a safety blanket of like of a you know minimum stable income and um, a visa which are the two hardest things to get and you're working 12 hours a week or 16 hours a week if you're in madrid and then you have the rest of that time to pursue whatever passion mm. passion projects you you might have or whatever you want to fill that time with so for me that was writing for my boyfriend that was playing guitar for other people that you know it it really leaves so much time for you to pursue whatever you've always wanted to pursue but never had the time for was the fact that you did journalism a big driver for you to actually blog yes it was actually a very strategic career move on my part because it was kind of justification for me to be able to do this and not feel guilty about it so i thought okay since i have a journalism degree and i'm i'm still writing and traveling so that's still keeping me kind of in in the loop and on track to my career whatever that would look like um and yeah it really did so it served that purpose. Um, and it also created, I loved, I traveled alone a lot, um, and which is an amazing experience. If anyone's ever thinking about traveling alone, it is truly, it opens your eyes up to so many things about yourself and things you would notice in the world yeah. that you wouldn't otherwise if you were with your friends. Um, so uh, I totally went on a tangent here. <laughs> well, let's stick with the tangent. I, I also have had the, like some of the, 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 the kind of loneliest and most difficult but also the best travel experiences by being by myself just because I, I noticed I realized a long time ago if I'm with somebody I won't strike up conversations with different yes. people because I'm focused on the person that I'm with right but if I'm by myself then you, it's, it's so much easier to strike up conversations with people the number of people I've met just from being by myself and it is truly amazing I mean I have I have friends all over the world now because of traveling alone that I wouldn't otherwise have. Um, and I've like gotten windows into like, you know, suburban Hungarian culture <laughs> and, um, you know, Portuguese culture, all because traveling alone, these people were like, oh, this girl's alone. We should invite her in. Be smart. Always be street smart. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, yeah, have made the, the most unexpected friends by being alone. Yeah. So. What about Vietnam then? So what what yeah. led you off to Vietnam and what happened there? Yeah, um, great question. Bit of a change from Spain. Oh yeah, yeah. Were you ready so, for the change or was it something I else? I was definitely ready for the change. So after three years in Spain, I loved my Spanish experience, but um, I just felt like it was time to move on. Um, after my three years there, I felt like I had squeezed all the writing that I could out of Spain. I've written about all of the cultural nuances and the food and, and the, of course, there's never all because there is more that I could write, but the inspiration had kind of dried out for me. Um, and I was just ready for a new challenge. Um, so I had met my boyfriend in Spain who I'm still with and living in actually San Francisco with now. Um, and he wanted to stay in Spain and I actually wanted to go back to the US for my career. And so we were like, okay, let's compromise. We'll go to Vietnam. <laughs> and <laughs> halfway in between. Yeah. Halfway, um, halfway to the east. Yeah. And actually that didn't come out of nowhere. We were at a um, language exchange event in, in Granada and we were really trying to figure out where we were going next. And we ended up talking to this guy who was like, oh yeah. 
um, you guys should go to Vietnam. I just taught English there. It was the best. The, the people are amazing. The food is amazing. The weather, blah, blah, blah. So we were like, okay, we're going to go to Vietnam. <laughs> and then we, we went, um, hadn't, hadn't ever been to Asia. Um, so really like had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, but we also bought a one-way ticket to Vietnam. That's how I roll. And yeah, I um, never asked you about that one-way ticket. Why was it a one-way <laughs> ticket to Spain? Because how do I know when I want to come back? Uh, well, if it were me, I'd be thinking, well, okay, I'm going to be going, but then I want to be back for Christmas. So what? Yeah. Because, because I, a return ticket is usually the same price as a one-way. Let's just book that that ticket yeah. for Christmas. Yeah, I, I was not think I didn't want to come home for Christmas. Yeah. And I really didn't know when I wanted to come home. Um, I maybe was like, it, I maybe could, it's part of the psychology that that kind of driven psychology, you know, you just by, by, by making the ticket a one-way ticket, you're just, you're just uh, putting more skin in the game. I, I do think that's true. And I and think I remember looking at the prices and I'm like, okay, it is, it is a bit cheaper, maybe not like cheaper in the long run, but I don't know. I just felt that it gave me more freedom to be able to you know, stay the summer and travel if I wanted to, or, you know, I wasn't sure how I'd be feeling at the end of that school year. So. And how did you find Vietnam? Um, how did I fly to Vietnam? How did, how did you find it? I, I, I can imagine how you flew. But oh, how how did you, I, yeah. 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 How yeah. Did you, how um, did you find the, how was the experience? Yeah. Um, the experience was, was amazing. And it was really difficult in the beginning um, in the same way, you know, Spain was difficult in the beginning as well. Like it wasn't all peaches. Uh, in the end, it was all peaches. But the first couple months in that village were really difficult for me um, because I didn't speak the language and I didn't have any like kind of anyone to fall back on there um, in terms of just like venting. No, no one got me there. Mm -hmm. And in Vietnam, it was a different experience because I was there with my boyfriend um, and there were plenty of other expats that did, did get me. Um, however, the, like I, in Spain, I was really immersed in the culture. I was living a Spanish lifestyle. I ate when the, 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 the Spanish people ate, and if anyone's familiar with Spanish culture, they'll know that there's a very strict eating schedule. Um, I like hung out with all Spanish people. I really was living like a full Spanish lifestyle. And in Vietnam, I didn't see myself being able to do that because the culture is just so different. Um, mm. The things I like to do, it, I learned that a lot of like locals don't like to do. Like I love to like go out and drink with my friends um responsibly of course and um that that's like you know the friends that i met in vietnam like they all like want to drink bubble tea all the all the time and that's their form of how they hang out and for me that wasn't that fun um yeah, you, so youth, it was, especially youth culture for between asia and 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 the west is quite different in, in a lot of ways yeah uh, yeah it, it was hard and and i was like you know, honestly, I was I was in Da Nang, which is a central city in Vietnam um, on the coast. And the first couple of months, I was like, what the heck? Um, like, this isn't the immersion that I wanted. I was like, but did you think you would? Did you think because as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking. So when you went to Spain, you're by yourself. Yep. You're going to a small village. That's one thing you could expect and hope for immersion there. But if you're going to Vietnam with your boyfriend mm -hmm. into a, a city, 
mm-hmm. I guess, in mm-hmm. order to teach. Yep. It, it's like from the get-go, it's a totally different setup, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. were you going there thinking to yourself, like, okay, I want to get the same immersion that I got in Spain. I'm going to learn Vietnamese and all of this. Or, or, or were you not hoping for that? Were you looking yeah. for something different? That's a good question. I would say I was looking for immersion because that's what I always look for when I'm like, you know, in kind of a new country. Um, that's like what my blog is all about and, and everything. I wouldn't say that I was looking to learn Vietnamese in the same way that I was looking to learn Spanish. Um, for me, when I moved to Spain, I was like, I had my eye on the prize. I was like, I am going to become fluent in Spanish. Yeah. In Vietnam, I didn't. I was like, I hope to learn some Vietnamese, but I didn't feel like it was a like primary goal for me. So let's talk about language learning there. So for, for for Spanish, we've talked about all the all the, I mean, the fantastic situation that you had. Um, the combination of the of the complete immersion plus the determination, but nevertheless, lots of people go into that situation and don't learn the language. You know, we've all heard yeah. the stories of the people who who move to Spain and then end up, um, you know, six months later not not having learned anything. Was there anything in particular that you did? Any any particular study habits or approaches that you had that you think really helped you learn faster? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did mention that I I didn't do well. Um, learning in a more traditional sense in a class. Um, what really worked for me is, okay, I mentioned hanging out with, with friends and, and Spanish people. Um, but one thing that I would always do is write down um, a word that was new for me. I had a, like a running list on my phone of words, and then I would look it up. And then at the end of the day, study those new words. Um, so that was a habit for me. And every day <laughs> in the beginning, I like, didn't I had like too many words that that were like impossible for me to constantly be writing down but the 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 list got more and more manageable and um I kept that up um and I made a I made my friends promise me that they would correct me which I think is really important as a language learner to tell people that that speak the language that you're trying to learn correct me um because that's the that's the only way I think that you learn through immersion. Um, you you got to, you have to be corrected um, and teach me new things. <laughs> so I had a weekly um, language exchange with a friend. On a, every Wednesday, I would go over by friend's house and we'd do a language exchange. So we'd do 30 minutes in English and then the rest of the time in Spanish, which was usually like two hours. And um, that like getting that like committed time to really like, focusing on the details of like no 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 you said that wrong like let's go back and say it again um really created space for me to like really improve more than just like in the streets but like focusing on like the 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 grammatical nuances and like slang that maybe isn't as common but important to know to be fluent um yeah and i also watched lots of spanish TV, Spanish, um, yeah, Spanish movies. Yeah, it's interesting what you said. What you were saying about being corrected, because because I, I think it could, there comes a point, especially when you get to slightly higher levels, where conversation is already comfortable. Yeah. But you can be comfortable conversationally, but still have you know still only be at an intermediate level. Yeah. And you were saying you know you're getting your friends to correct you, and I thought that's interesting because often that's quite a difficult dynamic with friends because if they are if they're actually your friends then you want to just talk about stuff right you don't want to be 
correcting your friends all the time. But it made sense then when you said that you actually have this formal structured language exchange. And this is yeah. something you really learn from, I think, is that even whatever your environment, whether you've got friends uh, in the language or, or, or not, it's really important to create that structured time where you've actually got yep. a, an environment which the, the purpose of which is to learn languages. Because if you're just hanging out with your friends, drinking drinking beer, you're not going to be. They're not going to be correcting you for long. Uh, but if you if you actually get together and say, right, for the next thirty minutes, you are going to correct my Spanish. That's the only reason we're here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I will say that you know, like my friends were really good at knowing when to correct me because it can definitely get annoying. Like I'm sure. I, I didn't realize it, but every other word I said was probably there was a pronunciation error or a grammar error or whatever. So that would get really annoying. If <laughs> did you find it easy to make friends? Because you were there with, with your job teaching. Yeah. How did you yeah. actually, I mean, firstly, it's great that there were in such a small place that there were other friends to be made uh, um, of your <laughs> age, but was it easy to actually make friends in that environment? Because I can imagine it could be a bit daunting to get to know people. Yeah, it it was and it wasn't at the same time like it was because well we started out not speaking the same language <laughs> and um they were so different from the friends that i had at home but how did and, you meet them in the first place yeah um i got really lucky um because the the village that i lived in everyone was so warm and welcoming and inviting and um, I worked with a woman who introduced me like to a bunch of people and they were so like, I met, um, one person and then they were like, Hey, the first weekend I was there, um, we're, my friends and I are going to like a feria, which is like a festival, a town festival come with us. So I was like, okay. And really from there, that group of friends just continued to invite me everywhere, which yeah, is amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then I like the town is so small that everyone goes to the same two bars. And um, so by going there with that group of friends, I pretty much learned knew, met everybody in the town, it felt like, um, or the people that you always see out. And so I really like knew, met so many people so quickly. Um, and made other friends just through that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, it's um, it's just the kind of thing which can really make or break the the experience, isn't it? I've been in small places before where I haven't been able to meet anybody, and it's it's been been quite yeah. quite difficult, quite lonely, especially in 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 in, in countries which are especially in in, in in Asia as well. I found that the further east I go, the harder it is often to, to bridge For that sure. gap. But then you go to like Brazil and like, you know, everybody in the town by, by, you know, by, by Sunday evening. So um, Casey, it's been, it's been so interesting to talk to you. Thank you so much for, um, for, for, for telling us about your, uh, your, your story with, uh, with Spanish and in Spain. It's absolutely fascinating. Uh, yeah. Last question. What are you up to these days? And then where would you like people to go uh, to find out more about you? Yeah. Um, so I am uh, living in, in San Francisco. I work at an online education company called Masterclass. Um, and I looks, you're nodding. It looks like yeah, you've, yeah, yeah. you've well, heard I, of it. I've seen, I've seen a few ads. On. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really awesome company. Um, and the classes are amazing. 
Um, and I'm a community manager there. So I work with our, our members, our students from around the world, um, basically making their education experience more engaging. Um, and it's really, it's great. Um, but loving, I do miss the birds travel. There in the yes, yeah, you <laughs> guys get they? a taste of the tropical. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in Florida. I don't know if I mentioned that visiting my mom. First time since COVID, so in a year that I've seen her. I don't know what the birds are, Ollie, to answer your question. <laughs> um, and uh, okay, so that's what I'm doing now. Um, and you guys can follow me at a wandering quesadilla. So I think, Ollie, you'll put the link um, in I'll put, the I'll put the link in the description, but yeah, case, okay. quesadilla, which is probably spell it out. It's uh, yeah. C A S I E D I L A dot com. A wandering quesadilla. Yep. Ollie, there's there's just one more thing that I want to say. Sure. Um, if I didn't hone it down enough, I just really encourage everyone who's ever thought about um, moving abroad or moving to a new place to do it. Even if it's hard, you'll never regret it because you'll learn so much about yourself and um, hopefully a language as well. Um, so do it, do it, do it, and reach out to me through my blog if you ever have any questions about moving abroad. I'm I'm happy to talk with you. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much. Thanks for being so generous with your time and uh, for um, for for the invitation to the audience as well. Um, one one last time, awanderingkcd.com is your is your blog. So everyone, go go ahead and check that out. And Casey, well, until next time. Thank you so much, Ali. You know, on this podcast, we spend a lot of time talking about quite advanced concepts and ideas in language learning. But I also have a series of courses which are for beginners, because actually, more often than not, people come to me and say, look, Ollie, I just want to learn this new language as a complete beginner. I want to learn Spanish or learn Japanese or learn French. You know, what do you have for me? And this is why over the last few years or so, I've been developing out this series of courses, which you know, I, everyone claims their method is the best, right? So all I'm going to say about these courses is that I've created these courses the way that I would like to learn a new language myself if I were starting out from the beginning. So, you know, it's it's my thing, it's my it's what I recommend. That's as much as I can say about them. The special thing about these courses, the unique thing is that you learn through story. So, you know, I don't go in for any of these kind of technology gimmicks and apps and flashing lights and funny noises and things like that. I teach you through story. So right from day one, I get you reading a story in the language. You're reading, you're listening, right from the beginning, even when you don't understand very much. And then I come in and teach you through these video lessons. I help you uncover the language from the pages of the story, which is why these, course, these courses are called Uncovered Courses. Spanish Uncovered, Japanese Uncovered, Italian Uncovered. It really is a way to learn the language to a very deep level. You won't get the same instant gratification that you get from Duolingo, but what you will get is a solid foundation and thorough education in the language that is going to give you all the groundwork you need to go on to become fluent in the language. If you'd like to find out more about these, simply head over to IWillTeachYouAlanguage.com and look for the courses option in the menu bar. That's IWillTeachYouAlanguage.com and click on courses in the menu bar. That will show you all the different uh, beginner courses that we have. Uh, in all the various different languages. Once again, that is IWillTeachYouAlanguage.com and click on Courses in the menu bar.